Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to The Driven Entrepreneur. I am so glad we're in your life today and this week. As usual, we're coming at you two times a week, every single week, with some of the best uh, entrepreneur minds and strategies and systems in the world and getting the story behind the person. So let's jump right in this week and motivate you, get you excited, and also teach you something while we're doing it. My guest this week is Steve Cockrum, and he's coming all the way from just outside London, 20 minutes west of London via commuter train. Uh, As he so boldly said, he just got back in about 20 minutes ago. Steve is a very, very high, high profile and high uh, achiever leadership consultant. He's worked with some of the best companies in the entire world, including uh, even, you know, we were just talking about uh, training and teaching leadership, even for presidential inaugurations in the U.S. It was um, pretty phenomenal to consider that. He's an international speaker. He's an author. He's a consultant, top level executives and leaders around the world. And it's all about the subject matter of uh, personality and wiring, organizational leadership, emotional intelligence, interpersonal communication, all the stuff that that you and I love so much to dive into. We're going to get into it in this interview. Steve is the co-founder of Giant Worldwide, a global leadership consultancy firm. He's a co-author of the books, The Five Gears, and also Five Voices. And he does his Five Voices work and his Five Voices system, implementing again all over the world with companies like Ford, Biogen, Chick-fil-A, Lockheed Martin, and even the United States Air Force. So excited to have you. Steve, welcome to the show. How are you, my friend? Matt, thank you so much. I, 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 as a true Brit, I never quite get over American introductions. You guys are incredibly honoring and you actually mean it, which I truly appreciate. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So what's the difference over there? It's like, hey, uh, this guy's going to come talk. So uh, listen to him. Uh, No, I think the Brits tend to, they tend to build people up and then in the very last minute, they cut them down with cynical humor. So Ah. Americans celebrate success and really mean it. And uh, the Brits grudgingly admire somebody who it must have stamped on a few people if they've uh, made any money because that's that's the the only way you could possibly have done it. So you, 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 we lived in the states for five years. So I'm a, I'm probably saying that I'm a I'm an American in exile with a British passport. So I come back every now and again for a dose of positivity and entrepreneurial. entrepreneurial and between the positivity, but also the dry sarcasm, I bet your wife has to apologize for you every now and again at restaurants because they didn't get the joke. Um, my anywhere. wife has to apologize to me often, Matt. I think kind of. <laughs> He laughs when I'm, I'm introduced as a guru on personality and wiring on the grounds that basically uh, the only reason I am is because of her long-suffering ability to hang in there, as it were. As a, I learned really what it was like to be on the other side of me as a very driven entrepreneur as a young man, that's for sure. And what, what, what a phenomenal way to get started. Well, let's, let's jump into this. You know, first question I have for you is when you were growing up, you know, you've been doing this work, I know, a long time. Were you always kind of wired entrepreneur-wise? I'm sure you've looked at your own personalities. Did you have like a lemonade stand? Were you that kind of kid? Or did you go down a traditional track of, you know, again, maybe a little more UK, a little more, you know, get the degree and do something and then you switched? What was it like growing up and how'd you get started with this? Do you know that it's really interesting? I don't think I had any idea who I was for a long time in terms of role models. My my parents are the most loving people in the world, but basically they 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 never left the little town that they've always lived in, and they they're still there and they'll die there. 
Um, but do you know, I used to sell my uh, my lunch every day. You know, my mum was an incredible home baker, and I used to get her to make an extra large pack lunch every day. And I would sell basically either um, you could buy the rights to my lunch for seven pound fifty for five days, um, or you could buy it individually for two pound a day. Or actually, if there were special cakes to be made, I would often break it down into individual components and then basically usually go and spend 50 pence on my bag of chips in the canteen and or, or fries in your language. And usually clear double what my poor sister was doing, doing a paper round, delivering papers early in the morning. So there was a little bit of entrepreneurial flair, but I think that um, I guess most entrepreneurs are usually, I was wired for it. But I don't think I had any really great entrepreneurial role models in my early life. And in some ways, it probably took me a lot longer than some would to really be able to own that idea that actually, that's what I love doing. I love starting things. I love growing things. I can, I can see things and sell them long before they ever become true products. Not quite as well as my business partner, Jeremy Kubitschek, by the way, but um, the two of us together are, have proved to be a pretty potent entrepreneurial force. Um, particularly as we've learned that if you're ever going to actually take something beyond startup, you better learn what you bring at your best and how to build a team that complement, shall we say, some of those more entrepreneurial tendencies. So entrepreneurial tendencies, when you started selling your lunch, my, I mean, first thing I got to find out is how did, did, did you eat? Did you save some of it? Yeah. You know, some I, of the I, food and go buy a pizza. Like what, what happened there? Well, I, that was my cultural translation went wrong, Matt. I mean, basically, I used to use 50 pence of the money that I'd sold. So minimum, uh, I made a pound a day, and I was going to spend 50 pence um, in the canteen hot chips. to get okay. some chips or fries in your language. So fries, yes. Fries, there you go. Freedom so, fries, I think they came to be known because you didn't buy them <laughs> after the Gulf War, whatever it was. So there we go. Uh, hopefully, hopefully yeah, I think that we, we dropped that after a little while. <laughs> Did, what were you thinking you were going to do out of high school? Did you did you think you were going to go to university or something? Or yeah, did you absolutely. Like straight away go, man, I got a business idea. Let's do this. No, no, not at all. I, I look back at careers advice, Matt, and honestly, I kind of wince. I did maths, physics, and chemistry and extra mathematics. That was that was me growing up. And uh, I loved chemistry, but my chemistry teacher said to me, oh, there's no jobs in chemistry. Go and do chemical engineering. So I said, okay, I'll do that. Which for an entrepreneur, nothing could have been more depressing and very dull people reading an acetate, because that's what we had when I went to university, and about 30 hours a week. So uh, it really wasn't me. And I ended up being a teacher in that. I was a high school teacher. I taught, I taught religious education and sport. I used to teach in the classroom every morning, and I played sport every single afternoon with the kids. I was, a, I was an athlete in those days as well, and it was just, I loved it. It was a boys' grammar school. No complications. I took them all over the world on more trips than I was probably allowed to do. But that was my that was my early life. Very very different from what I do now, I guess. Beautiful. What sport? What, what was your favorite? Well, this is gonna this is really gonna go down well with American audience. But cricket was probably specialism. So uh, for an Americans, the, the the pinnacle of cricket is a five day game that lasts basically about seven hours a day, and you can still have a draw at the end of it. So. And in the Not middle, you just you just stop and have afternoon tea, have some sandwiches. Absolutely, you you you've got it, Matt. That's good. Just just like football. What you have to remember is that basically every sport the English introduced to the world were basically played by the aristocracy who didn't have any jobs. So usually our sports went on for as long as possible <laughs> because because basically it was to amuse themselves, whether it's golf or 
And the Brits especially seem sitting down to do their sport as well. That's another big favourite of ours. <laughs> Any sport we can sit down and do. This will be so much fun. And uh, so, so you're doing, you know, you're, you're teaching. Did you think you were going to be teaching forever? Did you, did you think about the future? Did you have a dream of like, hey, one day? Or no. was this, hey, this is, you know, good is good? I think I was, I was basically, I look back, Matt, I was naturally good at everything I did. And I never disciplined talent. I think that was one of the sadnesses to me. Um, looking back, I used to be able to do pretty much anything. I was top of my school for everything, but I never worked hard at anything. And I used to laugh at people who worked really hard. And it was really, I look back at it and think, gosh, I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, driven entrepreneur. I think when I came to the age of 30 and realized I had not aligned discipline with talent over an extended period of time, that it was a real, you know, it was a real a painful moment actually, but I vowed that whatever I did next, I would study with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. And I, I would almost be a student like my wife had been all those years ago. And, uh, and that was when somebody paid for me to go and study Myers-Briggs and Fire OB. So that scholarship, basically, I think they did it out of compassion for Helen. I joke and say, I've been happily married for nearly 27 years, Helen for about the last 12. And I think, <laughs> and I think it was because I had absolutely no idea uh, who I was. So that holding up a mirror and basically understanding that as an ENTP, if you speak that language, it made sense, Matt, of pretty much all so many of the experiences of my life. And I studied it like a real geek. I mean, I've, I'd never done it before in my life. I bought the textbooks before I went. I learned the textbooks. Um, you know, it was it was a whole novelty, but it did really show me that actually. Um, it's amazing what happens when you actually apply consistency and discipline and the word we'd use is intentionality. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that's why we get along so well. So break that down just for a second for the people that are newer to Myers-Briggs or haven't studied it. So you said ENTP. So break down those four real quick and and give me a little, little snapshot (laughs) into your and my personality. Okay. So extroversion. So we recharge in the external world of people, activity, ideas. You usually hear us a lot more than you see us or long before you see us. Intuition is how we process information. So we're big picture, dreamers, visionaries. We'll work back towards the detail if we really are excited by what could be. Um, Abstract, conceptual, theoretical thinkers. It doesn't have to be real to be real. And then you have decision-making. So thinkers are rational, logical, analytical. They're looking to make just and fair decisions with bullet points. Fiercely competitive, love to win, defined by task, and much of their identity is in what they achieve. And then lastly, P, perceiving, which is when it comes to engagement with life, um, we tend to need the pressure of a deadline to force final opinions. We like to keep our <laughs> options open for as long as humanly possible. We see life as an incredible adventure with as many surprises as possible, and we tend to be processed people. I know where we're going to get to. I can't tell you exactly how we're going to get there because that would be incredibly difficult. So that's the individual components, Matt. Any of that sound familiar? <laughs> you basically are just reading uh, reading a card of my life. G- give me g- give me your definition of the opposite. So when we get to like the perceiver judger, I think that's just mm-hmm. a fun thing I want to hit real quick. So you said like can't uh, doesn't want a deadline, keep options open as long as humanly possible. Yeah. Uh, describe a judger to me. Someone so a J, a J once a decision's been made, a J wants a plan. A J will work the plan. They will work consistently and disciplined. Every day has its work. 
They will finish tasks ahead of deadline. Uh, they hate working under last minute pressure and they love to have as much of life under control as possible. And they bring this almost incredible militaristic consistency in discipline in the way they engage with the world every single day. So every day has a list um, and miraculously around about five o'clock most days, out of nowhere, tomorrow's list will appear. So Jays tend to like to prefer to know what the rules are and they like to know when am I at work, when I'm at play, when I'm with my family, when am I in recreation? So much more structure, much more systematic, disciplined, and um, largely less tolerant of those who live, according to them, a slightly reckless life or don't discipline <laughs> their talent. How does that sound? I mean, you know what I love about how you describe that, which I think people miss, is it feels like you're really talking about the different sides from a neutral point where you're, you highlight his strengths on both. You said, hey, here's, like, here's where these people shine. And, mm. but certainly, right. Like if I'm looking at it from a perceiver standpoint, I go, gosh, I'm not going to call the judger, um, structured and scheduled. <laughs> I'm going to call them maybe a, a worse name. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so nice. yeah. Quit trying to pin me down. Quit trying to be so anal about everything you do. And the judges, of course, here's that reckless life. I'm like, no, I'm living in the moment, man. I'm in the moment. It's <laughs> what we care about people over process. What are you doing? So I, I love that you got so deep into that. I thought we'd just do a little foray into this. Uh, much of what a lot of our listeners have gone through over the years. There are lots of, there are lots of, lots of videos and resources out there, Matt. If anyone is really interested in finding out stuff, um, um, tell, them to, tell them to get a hold of me. There's, on Giant TV, there's, I've, I've basically got sick of teaching it so many times over the years. So I just recorded me doing it, and I just send people to it so they can watch it themselves. But uh, How, how do they get a hold of Giant TV? So if they go to uh, use this link, giant.tv backslash SC, and that'll get you a free month. So if you're a true millennial, that'll mean your video, all my videos with your phone, but I'll forgive you just this one. Oh, you're amazing. So one more time, it was giant.tv backslash? Yeah, giant.tv backslash SC, um, and that'll get you a free month. Oh, very, oh, there you go, giant TV. So this is like a basically a, 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 t, like a network service that you have with what, educational trainings, videos, shows? Absolutely. So, you know, we, we basically we have now... If you think of the digital world, you cannot scale to large corporations um, in multiple continents without a digital resource. So we use basically a platform. On the platform, Matt, basically we have everything. So it's not just um, it's not just videos. There are pathways for leaders. There's assessments. There's surveys. You know, we're building communities at the moment, and a lot of data analysis for HR directors as well. So in some ways, we said, okay, we we will always do bespoke consulting. But what we found was large, large organizations said, guys, we love what you do. We found the tools you've given us incredibly impactful. We've got 40,000 other employees in four continents and we're not flying you anywhere or your team to deliver it. So basically the, the platform gives us a scale and we basically now train and, and certify internal Sherpas, as we call them, um, inside organizations so that basically they can multiply that capability through their whole organization so that's given us some that's that's pretty entrepreneurial that one matt we most most people would say that a consulting business is usually one only a mother would love on the grounds of the gross margins than it but when you're in the SaaS model if you've got intellectual property in the new world it's worth way more than it was in the industrial world so we're having a lot of fun thinking how we do that worldwide at the moment 
That, that is really fun. You know, I, I think about when we go in as consultants into companies and whatnot. I mean, that's a huge piece about how the dynamic can be changing. And mm-hmm. like our, our church a few years back brought in uh, like a communication system model, right? With these seven different models. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I know you have uh, the five voices and I want to get into what that is as well. Mm-hmm. When we brought that in, that, that was the big, the big essence that made it exciting was not just, hey, we'll come in and like, we'll fly in our people and we'll teach you. They said, mm-hmm. we'll do a special seminar, we'll teach your leaders, and then we'll teach the leaders and certify them as trainers so then they can continuously uh, administer the information. And as you have new people joining and coming in over the years, you can hold your own educational processes and teach this stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was this whole, you know, more virtual, more empowerment versus mm-hmm. having to come back to the consultant for the hit every time. And I know you're a massive empowerment guy. Yeah. Tell me, tell me about the the Five Voices book, um, yep. and I love because you came from you know it, we're talking about Myers Briggs, and I, I went into it a little bit for a reason. You know, Myers Briggs. How would you describe that? They have you know four basic, sixteen possibilities. Plus, there's all the more specific you know meta programs or or um, we call meta programs in NLP. There's yeah. so many in there that it gets it becomes this cumbersome two hour test almost. You know, this really hard thing to use. Tell me about the evolution of how Five Voices came to be and why you went the simple model that way. Does that work and why? Yeah, no. I think the honest answer, Matt, was when we were looking at how how do we retool leaders for the new world? So the digital world is very, very different from the late industrial world. And one of those was basically the, the, the fact that in order for people to learn, how people learn and communicate in the new world is basically... Things move so fast. If it's not visual, interactive, and immediately applicable, it doesn't matter how good your training is, it won't last. And we, in the end, decided um, that the only way that we could scale through organizations was to design all our resources so that an educated 13-year-old could understand them, use them, and teach them to their friends. Because that was about the level that you had to get it to before busy, cynical executives who had just blown off their feet in the new world trying to survive could actually go, hey, we could do this. So um, Five Voices really, for those of you who love Myers-Briggs, basically Voices is written in the source code. So they correlate directly. So there are 16 different voice com- voice orders. Um, but effectively what it did was it created a vocabulary and language that everybody could use and you didn't need a guru to be there. So, you know, they call me Yoda when it comes to all the Myers-Briggs stuff. I train and people who allegedly have been trained already. So fundamentally, there's a depth that is possible there. And what we did was we tried to see, could we capture that in five voices, particularly as each of them are distinct and different, but we speak all of them. It's just the order with which they engage with the world. So does that get a little way to explaining where voices came from that? It does. And the the first part I want to highlight is I love that you said, if we want people to share it, if we want people to use it, it's got to be basically at a junior high level mm-hmm. of simplicity. And I've always, maybe the wrong metaphor, but I, I've, I've always said, you know, when you're talking to an individual person, you can go at any level, but to a group to get people to get something, you know, you're speaking to kindergarten level. And I just say kindergarten out of a metaphor, but I'm always going, hey man, how is this like an orange? Make this the simplest mm-hmm. visual representation for me. And, and then I'm going to use something. So did this morph out of, how did the model come to be? And I'm very interested in these models. My new so, book is the Firebox Principles, Seven Drives of Fuel Every Entrepreneur. And I looked at the drives, uh, the motivational drives behind visionaries. And I just got very curious about their stories. 
So it didn't really come from an additional model. It just came from looking at all these people's stories. Where did yours originally come from? Where did the idea spark? I'm going to give you a minute of geek and you can decide whether that was more than enough to turn your listeners off. So anyone, Bring it. anybody who's done Myers-Briggs will understand something called type dynamics and the way that the middle two letters, what they call the function pairs, actually interact with each other. And I use those, so the NT, NF, ST, SF in different worlds to create five archetypes of voice. So having done that, Having created an archetype, we then use type dynamics to predict basically what would be the voice order using type dynamics against these archetypes. And the miracle was, Matt, um, it actually came out. I mean, I, I think created it in an airplane on the way to America because you heard about the pressure and the deadline. I'd promised Jeremy that when we got there, I had something special we'd share with all these leaders who'd shown up. And uh, I had nine and a half hours to turn what I've been playing with into something coherent enough to deliver. So that was a very long flight, but I, I, I kind of got it done. So in theory, you know, the, the NT um, in both the internal and the external world is the archetype of the pioneer. So we as ENTPs come out as pioneer connector, creative guardian nurturer. So there we go. That's enough geekiness. Is that enough for you? I, I think it's it's a little more. You just went to high school. You just went to high school. Uh, yeah, we've gone dark there. So, um, but in Myers Briggs, when you have the the four major components, just yes. real quick and kind of in a slow way, say the first component relates to what, and the last component relates to what. So what they say is that the the first letter, the E or the I, and the J and the P, the last letter, are what they call your attitude pairs. So they're about how you choose to engage with the world around you. And the middle two letters, so whether that's an S and an N or a T or F or what they call the function pair, how you primarily choose to function at your best in relation to tasks in the world of your work and engagement. Gotcha. Okay. So when we talk um, judge or perceiver, when we talk introvert, extrovert, that's about attitude and, and how you're seeing the world, essentially. Mm -hmm. And the internal, the thinker. The thinker intuit, no, in, sensor intuitor and thinker feeler. Those yes. are about functioning and how you're working in something. So you took the way people are functioning. Was that yeah. right? Yeah. I just want to make sure that the nerds got the nerd talk. You, <laughs> you, you took the multiple, the different versions of how these functioning pairs could go together, and then yes. out of that came these archetypes. And you picked. How did you land on five? Was that how many possibilities there were, or why only five? Um, it was, I think we'd already written a book called Five Gears and it seemed to have gone down very well. So I, I basically worked with the premise matter of what was the minimum number I could use that actually captured sufficiently the diversity of the whole. So if you can imagine as a purist, I could describe 16 types in, as if they are unique and different. So it's a little bit tough as a purist that bring it down to five, the amazing thing is I realized with voice order, I actually hadn't diluted the power of what it is we created. I just made it more scalable for people to use. Brilliant. So you, you, you obviously share the five voices and all the work that you do with mm -hmm. companies large and small all across the world and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. Um, how do we know someone needs this? And, and I know everybody can benefit from it, but what's one of the, like a situation that you think, gosh, my company's in this situation, this would be clutch right now, be so, so important in this moment. Would it be during like a mergers acquisitions or would it be during a startup or 
what kind of situation would be the best time to bring something like this into your company? Gosh, Matt, that's a good question. I think I say wherever you have human interaction, there is usually uh, unconscious incompetence. I think most people tend to assume that the people they, they live and work with are like them really, only they might be a little different. Well, the reality is they're radically different. And in the end, if you don't have tools and clues to understand how to create environments where the people around you get to bring their best, they never will by accident. So I think the primary application I would say is we've said that team has become such a key unit in the digital world. It, we're saying the, the agile collaborative team is more valuable to an organization now than highly talented individuals competing against each other, which is primarily the industrial model. So I'd say if you have a team that you're leading um, or that you're part of, because every organization is really only made up of multiple teams, taking team communication and driving team performance would be the primary application. So it, you know, when I say so the do you have a team, high amount of, of human resources, do you have actual people doing the work and are they working together, solve yes. conflicts with the five voices, Absolutely. help them to find their leadership voice? Absolutely. Um, I'm sure this is great for managerial training, sales training and the like. This is amazing. As you can find, you can find Steve, I'm just plug you real quick, buddy. And then uh, get some final thoughts as we're coming to the twilight of our time. I can't believe it. But Steve, you can follow Steve at LinkedIn at mm-hmm. Steve J. Cockrum. Uh, at LinkedIn, and I'm sure all over social media. His, their website, the main site is Giant Worldwide. But you have something really cool. You can do a couple of things. If you want to get the book, uh, the Five Voices book, it's, it looks amazing. Um, I have not cracked into it yet. I am excited to do that, though. I'm very, very excited for it. It's fivevoices.com, and it's the number five, fivevoices.com. And if you go to fivevoices.com slash giantmatt, Go figure. I'm only a little guy, but giant Matt, because the company's giant. So it's number five voices.com slash giant Matt. Um, Steve, what can they get there and what are they going to do with it? Well, I think that there's a, there's a free assessment, which will give you a chance really to maybe have a look at your voices. It'll give you a chance to some videos there you can watch. But I think in some ways, even just beginning to understand the difference between the pioneer, the connector, the creative, the guardian, nurturer, each of them are, um, People always find themselves in the process. And I would say that the, the, the biggest win is not just understanding, oh, that's me. The biggest win is when you begin to recognize and value and appreciate um, some of the voices which are very different to you. And so often when we're talking to highly driven entrepreneurs, Matt, many of whom are uh, the same kind of characters as you and I, we tend to assume that basically we're right in most things and the sooner people can implement the genius of our strategic direction, the better things will be. And I think I used to assume silence was agreement. It turns out that people were scared stiff of my grenade launcher, which is the classic pioneer weapon system. And therefore, I didn't hear or value in early life the nurturers, the creatives, and the guardians that make up 82% of the population. So, you know, in our assessments and benchmarking with organizations, the average performance of the average team over the last four or five years has been 60% when we started with them. And that's because most teams on the average day in the average company with the average leader, 82% of the people in your team feel that they're not truly heard, valued, or appreciated. And that was sadly certainly true in my world for a long time. So I feel like I'm three. These are three of these. You said that they represent 82%. Can you real quick, before we wrap up, give me just the five nice and slow. I want to make sure everyone hears the five different voices 
and and yeah, tell me those. And then what are the ones that represent a high percentage that we need yeah. to pay extra close attention to? So the nurturer is the champion of relationships, relational harmony, values. 43% of the population are nurturer. And of those, uh, 65% are women. So you've got a huge skew in the population. They're the ones that are our nemesis voice mat. So then you have the creative. The creative is only 11%. So um, basically, they are the champions of future direction, innovation, organizational conscience, and basically this incredible ability to see the future before it exists. Then you have the guardians. Guardians, 30% of the population, 70% of those are male. They are the champions of due diligence, difficult questions, stewardship, systems, processes, and project management. Um, so there's your 82%, and then you have your connectors, um, you'll always hear the connector there, 9% of the population, um, champions of relational networks, um, basically connected and incredible, incredible at messaging and nuancing and communication. And then lastly, but by no means least in their humble opinion, you have the pioneer. Only 7% of the population speak pioneer, but fundamentally, they often end up um, massively overrepresented in anything where there is a competitive environment. They are the champions of strategic thinking, tough decision-making, winning, and just their favorite thing in the world, Matt, which I'm sure you won't resonate with, is the ability to align people, systems, and resources to achieve goals and visions that everyone else believes is impossible. Ideally, that will scale and take them all over the world as they do it. Oh, nothing like taking the impossible and making it possible. <laughs> adventure and through inspiration. <laughs> Steve, this is awesome. So guys, get... Uh, Get the five voices. Uh, if, if this makes any sense at all to you, it's really, like I said, it's my words, not yours, but it's taking a Myers-Briggs sort of concept and taking the idea of personality and communication and leadership styles and simplifying it to the point where you just have five different voices, five different archetypes, and you can understand not who someone is, but you can understand the way that person needs to be communicated to, the way they can be supported. You can, I'm sure, learn... Uh, 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 trap doors to watch out for that, you know, hey, this person, if they don't get nurtured the way they need, there might be some issues and, and you can recognize that. So there's so much to learn from Five Voices mm. from Steve and his company. Um, guys, so you good, can, man. And, oh, and hey, that, was, that was my, my synopsis. Uh, I was way you're off. Good, man. And, and basically, if anyone really loves this stuff, so on Giant TV, like I shared before, there is actually a, a coaching series for each of the 16 voice combinations where we've taken the 15 biggest challenges of leadership and basically got somebody to record them sharing wisdom um, in your voice order. So there's a, there's a channel for you and I, Matt, we can go to the pioneer connector channel. And basically it's like looking in a mirror and somebody shares with us, you know, how we can most effectively liberate others, what we bring at our best, how we deal with stress, how we can increase our influence, how we take oh, I love that. So, I mean, you get customized videos for you wherever you're relating. And then again, you guys, if you go to uh, fivevoices.com slash giant Matt, you can get mm -hmm. a free assessment. You can check out the book. You can check out all the stuff there and find all things five voices. Steve, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. And thanks for taking the time out of your, I don't know what time it is right now. It's got to be almost 10 o'clock, right? It's getting close that way, Matt. But this has been great fun. And honestly, I'm passionate about this stuff. If I can help others, make different mistakes the ones i've made over the years then that's probably part of that redemptive process that makes me feel a little bit better about myself hey thanks so much steve guys 
That was Steve Cockrum of Giant Worldwide. You can find out more at giantworldwide.com. Follow Steve at Steve J. Cockrum at LinkedIn. And then, of course, go to the fivevoices.com, fivevoices.com slash giant Matt. Grab a free assessment. Check this out. I, I really believe if you are an entrepreneur, if you're a visionary, um, if you work with people, this is this. If you love any of those things like Strengths Finders, Disc, Myers Briggs, Life Languages, Spiral Dynamics, all the stuff that we have talked about over time, this is one of these, the most simple version of it. I'm excited to dive into it, and I hope you are too. Thanks for listening this week. Hey, as usual, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, let me know what's going on. Follow me on social media, at Matt Browning. Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn. I'm all over the place. Matt Browning, not hard to find. Uh, message me, let me know what you love, what you hate. And as usual, get out there and crush it this week. <laughs>